you are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon, partly cloudy, partly sunny. It's not too bad. The heat's not too bad today, so enjoy it while you can. Hope you had a great weekend. Lots to talk about uh, going on in the sports world from over the weekend, but hope you had a fantastic Saturday and Sunday. Back to work today, of course, but again, hope you had a great weekend, and let's get this week started off right. Glad you're here, glad to be here, and hope you're having a good day so far. If you want to call in at any time today, be a part of the show. I would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Those are the numbers to put you through to me. You could call in. Uh, Be a part of the show. Get on the air. Talk to me about anything you want to talk about related to sports. If you want to talk Auburn, professional, I don't care. Anything you want to talk about, you can call in and be a part of today's show. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Lots that happened over the sports weekend when it came to uh, golf, when it came to basketball, hockey, uh, some college football news a little bit. So lots to talk about. Should be a fantastic show today. In hour number two, we've got Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network in his usual Monday 3.30 slot. So he will be on today at 3.30 to talk about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball. Uh, both had some Rather disappointing weekends, if you will. So he will be on at 3.30, and he'll break it all down for us. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30 today. But to start today's show, we're 103 days away from the start of the college football season, 103 days from September 3rd. You know what that means. This week, we're going to hit 100 days from college football That is really when you start thinking and really start feeling that college football is on the way. And so we're getting closer. SEC media days right around the corner. The spring meetings for SEC coming up. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And then SEC media days coming up in July. And then college football season right around the corner. We're 103 days away from college football. I'm excited. I know you are as well. But 103 days from the start of the college football season. And speaking of college football, he's not a college player yet, but he's going to be real soon. And when he gets to college, he is going to be one of the, he already is really, one of the most highly rated recruits coming out of high school at the quarterback position. He's one of the most hyped up quarterbacks, one of the most hyped up players that we've ever seen coming out of high school. Yes, this guy is good. Yes, he can play, but he's hyped up 
because of his last name. Arch Manning, the 2023 high school quarterback recruit, has nailed it, or he has narrowed it down to a couple of schools that he's interested in, that he wants to attend and play college football for, that he will be making official visits to in June. Arch Manning has narrowed it down to just a few schools. And those schools include, okay, those schools include, and and again, he's going to be visiting these schools in the next couple of months. Uh, I guess like next month is what they kind of said. And I guess either this month or next month. But again, Arch Manning down to just a few schools that he will be taking official visits to. He added Florida and LSU to his schools apparently, but the big ones are Alabama, okay, Alabama, Texas. I just had this pulled up. I'm trying to find it where I just had it pulled up. Uh, There was just a couple of schools that he wanted to – man, I really did. I just had this pulled up, and I lost it. But I know Alabama and Texas and Georgia were on those schools, okay? Those were the ones that he has narrowed it down to that he wants to take official visits to again, go and talk to them some more, and figure out – where he wants to play college ball, of course. He has the Manning name, of course, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, their dad, you know. The Manning name has been a legendary uh, family quarterback name throughout the history of not just college football, but professional football as well. And so where is Arch Manning deciding, or, you know, the schools that he is considering? We'll talk about that some more. Uh, how has this changed a little bit? Maybe another school has jumped in, and they have, have jumped into the mix with some recent news coming out yesterday and today. Where should Arch Manning go and why? We'll talk about that as well. And then ultimately, is he going to live up to the expectations? Can he live up to the hype behind his name? And can he live up to what his family has done during their football careers in college? We're going to break all of that down here on the Monday edition of On the Line. So again, the schools that Arch Manning is considering, uh, he has a couple, couple of SEC schools that... Um, let's see. He has a couple of schools that he is considering that he wants to go and visit to. And also, a school has jumped into the mix a little bit. Okay. So according to Bleacher Report, uh, this was a couple of days ago, trying to find the article I was reading earlier because it, it was, it gave some great information, uh, trying to find that. But again, I don't know where that article went. So I lost it. So I apologize about that. But Trying to find, you know, a, a, an up-to-date list because I don't want it to be incorrect. But I know Alabama and Georgia and Texas were on those lists, and I'm pretty sure that's what he cut it down to was those three. Okay, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Two of those are current SEC schools. The other one is going to become an SEC school. So one of the highest-rated recruits coming out of high school probably ever, especially at the quarterback spot is considering those three schools. Those are the schools he wants to take visits to again and ultimately pick one of those. Why those schools? Well, I would say the quarterback success we've seen at those three schools. Alabama, obviously, look what they've been able to do even before this new style offense we've seen Alabama run. Quarterbacks like him, 
have been extremely successful at Alabama. Even the ones that weren't just over-the-top fantastic athletes, um, A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy, those types, the smart, good quarterbacks were very successful at Alabama. I think Arch Manning is probably more talented than they were coming out of high school. But again, he's probably super smart, too, and knows how to play the game. Those types of quarterbacks are successful at Alabama. And now, now they have to be athletic, too, and I think he will be. And why not get the chance to go and play for Nick Saban at Alabama, right? Same thing with Georgia over the last couple of years. Good quarterbacks have been very successful at Georgia. And now you can go to Georgia and compete for national championships. They can say that now. So, of course, you could go and play for Kirby Smart and play at Georgia. Playing at Texas, you have a a new head coach that's in his second year with Sarkeesian. And how good are they going to be? You don't really know yet. But Texas is going to get some talent. And Texas is also going to have probably the most NIL money between those three schools so I would say going to Alabama or Georgia you're going to have the best chance to be successful get better as a player and go to the NFL and make some NIL money but you can also go to Texas and you're probably going to make pretty decent money when it comes to to NIL right you may not get the best development there you may not get the best development as a quarterback at Texas compared to Alabama and Georgia but I guarantee you're going to get more NIL money there, right? And speaking of NIL money, there's another school that has now entered the race and has become one of the favorites for Arch Manning. How has it changed? Arkansas is apparently one of the lead schools now in the Arch Manning saga, if you will. Why? Well, it just turns out, and it just so happens, that... A donor from Arkansas has decided and just come up with some money that they would like to pay Mr. Arch Manning to come play at Arkansas. Now, I don't know if it's a reported, like a, 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 like a fact number, but the numbers that I were seeing was two to two and a half million dollars of NIL to come play at Arkansas. Arch Manning could get two to two and a half million to play at Arkansas. That is not 100% confirmed. I have not seen like 100% confirmation on that number, but that's the number I was seeing floating around was two to two and a half million of potential NIL that came up for Arch Manning at Arkansas. That's what I was seeing. And so, of course, he said, well, he's, yeah, (laughs) now he's going to consider Arkansas a little bit, right? Why would you not? Why would you not, right? You would have to when that type of money just ultimately becomes a, a, in play. So they have become a factor right now as well. Unless that has been proven false and I haven't seen it yet, that is what I saw and have been seeing about this entire Arch Manning situation. We've been waiting on what his commitment and decision is going to be, and he has it narrowed down to Alabama, Georgia, and Texas, but now there is a new player in the field with Arkansas with big-time NIL money that has just become readily available, that either a group of, of donors, businesses, whatever, or maybe it was just one, they said, hey, we really want Arch Manning to come play in Arkansas. And now that money has become available, and he is more than likely considering the Razorbacks to play football there. Why would you choose Arkansas? For the money. And I think their football program's on the rise. 
I really do. I think they're going to be good. I've said it. I think they're going to be good this year. And I think they're going to continue to get better. They're getting athletes. They have a good coach. So Arkansas is not a bad place to go, especially if they're going to pay you that type of money. So that is where it stands right now for Arch Manning. Where should he go? Well, it kind of depends. Depends on what he's looking for. That depends on what he's looking for. Does he want to go and get playing time and get better as a quarterback and develop and possibly put himself into the NFL? Then I'm going to go to Bama or Georgia if that's the case. If that is truly what you are worried about, you would go to Bama or Georgia and you would be dumb not to. If you're looking to develop and compete for championships and go to the league, you're not going to Texas or Arkansas as it stands right now. Not right now as a quarterback, no way. Especially when you're considering Alabama or Georgia, right? If I'm wrong, let me know. But if that's the case, if that's the case, you want to go to Alabama or you want to go to Georgia. If you're trying to get better, you're trying to develop, and you want to go to the NFL and make millions down the road, you go to Alabama or Georgia. Now, if you want to make money right now and make NIL, yeah, you probably are considering Texas or Arkansas if you're Arch Manning. But will his family and his family name let him do that? I don't know. I don't know if they will. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that they control where he goes, but if you know and have watched, grown up watching the Manning family, they don't really come off as chasing the money type of, of, of players and people, do they? I don't think so. I don't think they do. Peyton Manning, he played for the Colts for so long. Yeah, he went to Denver to finish his career, but he went out there and won a Super Bowl. Eli, he played for the Giants. He played for the New York Giants, and he won two Super Bowls. He didn't go anywhere else to make more money. He stayed right there. So those are the two most recents. I just don't know if the Manning family comes off as, hey, go chase your NIL money. Don't even worry about football. I feel like they're a pretty big football-heavy family, right? I feel like they are. their priorities are football and being good at football and getting better at football. And you've got to think that Arch Manning has got the same mindset of, I want to go and be great like my family has been, not just in college, but in the pros as well. Of course, we saw Peyton at Tennessee, Eli at Ole Miss, You would think Arch would stay in the SEC. The schools that are on his list are in the SEC. Would he follow in Peyton or Eli's steps and go to Tennessee or Ole Miss? I don't know. A lot of people said they wouldn't let him go to Alabama, but I don't think he cares when it comes to that. So where should he go and why? I think he should go to Bama or Georgia. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. If he wants to get better and truly cares about playing football, getting better as a player, competing for a championship, and getting to the pros, I would go to Alabama or Georgia. I would. I would go to those two schools right now. If those are on his list, why not go? Because you know you're going to get better. You know that you have a great chance to go pro. So why not go to those? Because if you get better and go to the pros, you're going to make more money long term. I think a lot of these kids and these recruits are going to lose sight of that. And I know it's very slim, the amount of 
A, the amount of high school kids that go to play college college athletics, and B, the amount of those college athletes that go on to play professional. I know those numbers are extremely slim. I understand. But when it comes to a guy like Arch Manning, who A, was born with unbelievable talent, B, has been raised to be an unbelievable talent, and C, has probably unbelievable potential, he has a shot to make it to the league, to the NFL, right? He has that chance. If he takes the right steps, he can get there. He can get to that point. He can go pro. It's early, yes. But as long as he continues to get better, what's going to stop him besides injuries or something, right? God forbid, of course. So he has that potential. So if that's what he truly wants, and if he wants to make more money long-term rather than just taking the quick money now and running – He needs to go to Alabama or Georgia. Now, as Auburn fans, we don't want to see that, right? We do not want to see that at all. That's the last thing we want to see, of course, is our our two biggest rivals as Auburn fans to get the best high school quarterback that has come through the class in a long, long time. That's not what we want to see. But I feel like that's what we are going to see. I think that's what we're going to see. In my opinion... He needs to go where he can be best at football, where he can develop as a football player because he has the chance to do big things. He may not pan out. He may not. He may, again, God forbid, he may get hurt. He may just not work out. He may have hit his ceiling, right? Those things could happen. But why not give yourself a chance and go to the best schools right now, go to the best programs right now, with Alabama and Georgia, to give yourself that chance to go pro. I think that's what Arch Manning should do. If you ask me, if you ask me, yes, the NIL money is nice, and when a school like Arkansas comes out and says, hey, we have however much, apparently $2 million or something like that, for you to come play here, there's no doubt that that's going to speak to me. And I would, I would at least take it into, into consideration. But at the end of the day... I would like to think that I would see the bigger picture, but at 17, 18 years old, who knows? Would you? Would you have seen the big picture in your day when you were 17 and 18 years old? And if you had this chance, this opportunity, would you think long-term or would you think for the money right now? That's an interesting way to put it, right? We like to think that we would think the long-term, the the more adult way, right? But 17 and 18, it'd be hard to turn that money down. It really would. Let's take our first break here in hour number one when we come back. Can Arch Manning live up to the expectations and the hype behind his name? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Can Arch Manning live up to the hype and the expectations that are around him and his name coming out of high school wherever he decides to commit? That's the question uh, that I'm pondering on right now. What are your thoughts on that? Can Arch Manning live up to the expectations and the hype around him and his name when he gets to college, no matter where he goes? What do you think? I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Look, it's going to be tough, right? 
Your uncles are Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, okay? Those are his uncles. Uh, his dad, uh, Cooper, I believe, is his dad's name. Obviously, his brothers are Peyton and Eli. Um, Peyton Manning, of course, played at Tennessee. Eli played at Ole Miss. And then the two brothers, obviously, you all know, went on to the NFL to have legendary careers of their own. And how good can Arch Manning be in college? I think he can be great. I think he can be fantastic. I think he has obviously got a lot of skill. Yes, people are recruiting him because of his name, but that would only go so far. College coaches aren't dumb. They know what they're doing. Recruiters know what they're doing. And look, if the kid wasn't any good, they're not going to recruit him just because his name is is Manning. If he couldn't play, they're not going to go after him. It would take about one practice to figure that out, if the guy could actually play or not. Obviously, he can if Alabama and Georgia are going after him. If those are the two schools that are the finalist or potential finalist for Arch Manning, he can obviously play. So he's got skill, and he can be good. But will he live up to the expectations? And it's really the hype that has been around him and I mean, he is, I mean, he's expected to, to just be a superstar and to be great immediately, immediately, right? That is what he is expected to do when he gets to college, no matter where he plays, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Arkansas, whoever, wherever he decides to go, he, he is expected to be great. But can he live up to that? I don't know. I don't know if he can. And it's one of those situations where there's so much hype around him, it may be nearly impossible for him to actually live up to it, right? It may be impossible for him to live up to it because it's so much. Before he even plays a single college snap, it's so much that it may be impossible for him to actually reach that potential and to reach the the level of, of expectancy from him and from the fans that they expect to be and expect to see with him. I, I just think it's, it's borderline impossible. I think he can be good. I think he will be good. As long as he goes somewhere where he gets the right training and the right development, I think he can be a fantastic quarterback. I think he could be a great player. But I, I don't want to see him get dragged down and him get held back because of him not reaching the – the, the made-up expectations from fans around college football and fans around the game of football, right? You don't want him to see – you don't want to see that be his limitation. And you don't want to see comparisons to, to his uncles. I mean, that's going to happen literally every single game. You know every single TV broadcast that Arch Manning is playing quarterback or even on the team – he will be compared. There will be graphics with, with Peyton and Eli, their college stats, what they did their first five games, what they did their first ten games, what they did their first SEC season. You know, all of that, you know, you know it's coming. You know it's coming, right? And you can, I can picture it now. I can picture it, the graphics and the stats and the comparisons, and it'll never end. It'll never end for Arch Manning. And so how does he fight that how does he compete despite that you just got to cut it out and you got to tune it out the best that you can a lot easier said than done but he's just got to go and be his own player and so can he 
Sure. How good will his career be in college? I'm not sure. I think it could be really good, especially if he goes to Bama or Georgia, where we have seen you have unlimited talent to throw the football to when it comes to the receiver core. You have the best offensive lineman in the entire country at those two schools. So you have plenty of protection. Now, Alabama's been struggling the last couple of years and will, so, and will also this year with their offensive line, but that's not the case most of the time. So you've got good offensive lines and you have five-star superstar athletes to throw the football to. What's holding him back? I think his name. If you take Manning away from him, he's just a great quarterback. And so what do you think? Can Arch Manning live up to the hype and the expectations when he gets to college? Or do you agree with me? Is it borderline impossible for him to, to, for him to reach or even exceed those expectations? And do you think he's going to be good? It may be too early to tell. He's obviously got skill, but I just don't know if he can live up to it. I really don't. Give me a call. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Again, he's got a couple of schools that he's narrowed it down to. He's going to take some visits. There's reports that Arkansas has come up with a collective to be able to offer somewhere two to two and a half million of NIL deals. That is not concrete. That is not 100%. Um, I've seen it floating around. And again, I don't know if it's, if it's, you know, really if it's 100% real or correct or if it's completely false. I have seen the rumors, I guess, if that's what you want to call them. But no matter where he goes, he is going to be expected to be great from the start day one he is expected to be great he's expected to do big things not just in college but in the pros as well and you almost feel for the guy right you want him to be good but you don't want him to already be discredited before he steps on the field that's what I don't want to see so can he live up to the expectations my answer is no He's not going to be able to live up to the hype and the expectations. No matter how good he is, no matter what he does, it will never be good enough for Arch Manning in college or in the pros if he gets that far. No matter what he does, unless he wins four national championships and wins three Super Bowls, it'll never be good enough. Now, if he can go and be better than Peyton and Eli, maybe, but I don't see that happening. I don't see him living up to the hype, no matter how good he is. Let's take a break. When we come back, the NCAA has made a new rule. How how will it affect college football? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. The NCAA came out with uh, some new rules about college football conference championships and how they are no longer required to have division champions play in conference championship games and... Some of the conferences around college football are licking their chops and licking their lips a little bit uh, with excitement about this new rule. It's basically up to the conferences now. 
and they can decide who plays in their conference championship game so they can pick the top two teams rather than having a so-called east and west, north and south, however they do it. And so now it's up to the conferences. They can do what they want to do. They can pick who is in there. They can pick how they determine who plays in conference championship games. Uh, So what the rule says, we're going to talk about that just a little bit again, how it's a little bit different and who does this impact? We'll talk about that some as well. Should major conferences abandon divisions? Is that something that they should consider doing? Maybe the Power Five uh, will go over the conferences and maybe who should, who shouldn't. And also, would the SEC be better or worse without divisions? If the SEC decides to do away with divisions, how would that affect the SEC and would they be better off with or without divisions that's what we're going to talk about here in this segment you can call in be a part of the show 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you have anything to say about this topic about the new NCAA rules about college football and your thoughts on divisions should we have them should we not in different conferences what do you think you can give me a call and let me know what you think about all of that But again, the rule is basically saying that conferences now do not have to have divisions and they can choose how they want to pick who plays in their conference championship games. And how is this different? Well, obviously right now in the major power five and even the group of five conferences, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, whoever, you've got two divisions and the winner of that division goes and plays in the conference championship game, the SEC West and the SEC East, and and so on and so forth, right? That's how it turns out. And, of course, you have to play, or you normally play all of the teams in your division plus a couple of teams from the other side. It affects conference championship games. It affects scheduling. It affects a whole lot of stuff. And now they don't have to do that anymore if they don't want to. They don't have to. Conferences can choose what they want to do. And so who does this impact? Literally everybody. (laughs) It impacts college football conferences. It impacts college football teams. It impacts players, fans, TV, everything. It affects everything. And when you look at it, conferences can now decide if they want to get rid of divisions. So We could see a time where the SEC no longer has an East and a West. It could be something different. It could be pods. It could just be a free-for-all. Who knows? We could see different things develop, and it could be different across different conferences too. So there's a lot of possibilities here with what could happen with this new rule change where conferences can decide what they want to do specifically to determine who plays in their conference championship game and who they want to play throughout the regular season. So we may start seeing some different matchups or not necessarily different matchups, but more common matchups, right? Think about it right now. Auburn plays Georgia as their every year SEC East opponent, but then the other schools we're seeing what once every six, seven years Auburn is right now. So that may be starting to go away a little bit. Hey, Alabama may have to play Georgia more than once a year. Now, they are playing them in the SEC Championship and in the National Championship, but in the regular season, they may have to play them more than once every seven years. But 
you're going to see some different things coming about the schedule now. And will this change who plays in conference championship games? Possibly. It could definitely change that. And especially in other conferences. I think that's where you're going to see a change more as of right now rather than the SEC. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But how does the SEC change with this rule? Well, nothing has changed with the SEC right now. But the SEC spring meetings are coming up in just a couple of weeks. They're going to have the coaches meetings down in Destin. They're going to talk about this. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and all of the head coaches and the ADs and whoever else is going to be there, they're all going to talk about this. This will be a big subject that they discuss. What does the SEC want to do? Do they want to keep the East and the West in football? Or do they want to do something different? And again, there's different options here. Do you just say it's just a a 16-team conference with no divisions? Of course, 16 being Texas and Oklahoma. You've got to consider that too because there's 14 right now. And one thing about this rule, it's conferences with 12 teams or more. That is, that's the ruling. 12 teams or more, I believe, is what I read. So that does impact it a little bit. Um, But the SEC is going to have their meetings and say, look, what do we want to do? Do we want to do... Four pods of four, four, eight, 12, and 16 teams, right? Four pods of four, and you play everybody in your pod plus a couple crossovers, something like that. I don't know, right? I'm not sure what they want to do. Do you want to do just a 16-team free-for-all? How do you want to do it? It'll be interesting to see. Maybe they keep the East and the West, but they realign it. There's been talks for years about Auburn moving to the SEC East and how geographically one it would make sense and two for Auburn fans you'd be very excited to play in the SEC East rather than the SEC West when it came to competition now me personally I've always said it wouldn't feel right for Auburn to play in the SEC East after being in the West for the for this long my entire life right for being in the West and playing the teams that Auburn does I like it I like it yes it's tougher it's the toughest division in college football but If Auburn gets out of it, I mean, you are battle-tested. You are the best team in college football, in my opinion. So I wouldn't want Auburn to play in the East as of right now, but we may see something realigned like that with the SEC, right, if this is implemented in the SEC conference. Now, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12 may do something different. And look, the Pac-12 has already decided they're doing away with divisions. They said, we're done. They already said they're done. They're not doing divisions and they're moving on and they're going to try something else. Other conferences may do the same. The Big Ten, if you hadn't seen, for the next few years, they cleared their schedules. The college football schedules, they cleared them out. This was as of like last night or this morning, I think. or uh, It's been the last couple days. They cleared their schedules and they're going to redo it. Why? Because they're probably preparing to do something different with conference realignment right? So who knows? I think major conferences are going to start doing this. And so will the SEC do it? Who knows? But they're going to have those discussions in the next couple of weeks. Should major conferences abandon? Should they abandon the division? Should they, should they do this? Well, the Pac-12 already has. Again, the Big Ten might also be doing it, right? They may also be doing it. But is it good for college football? I don't know. 
I think in some other conferences, you'll see different teams play for conference championships because think about it. If there's a team that just dominates their division every year, like Ohio State or Georgia, right? They dominate their division year in, year out, most of the time. That team's always playing in the conference championship. Not saying that they shouldn't be there, but another team in that division may be the second best in college football. We've seen that in the Big Ten a lot. We've seen that a lot in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan, where those two were the best teams in the Big Ten, but of course they play each other every year, they're in the same division, and the winner of that game plays in the Big Ten Championship, but the loser doesn't get to go because they lose out, because they got second in their division. Now the team in the other division is a mediocre team, and Ohio State blows the doors off of them, Wisconsin. That's how that's gone down, right? We've seen that story over and over again. Look at the SEC. Could you imagine if... Auburn and Alabama had the potential to play each other in the SEC championship game, that could be a possibility if divisions get wiped out or they get into pods or however they decide to do it. And they can say, hey, the two best teams in the conference, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what state you're from, the two best teams are going to be in the conference championship game. Auburn and Alabama could be in the SEC championship game. Auburn LSU, Alabama LSU, Georgia, Florida, those types of things and those types of matchups could happen. Now, could you imagine that? Could you imagine if Auburn and Alabama played each other in the SEC championship game? This state would burn to the ground. Same thing if they made the the college football playoff and played each other. This state would not survive, I don't think. But how much fun would that be, right? That's what this rule allows. And that's what this rule can lead to is those types of matchups. But it's not trying to get big-time matchups like that. It is strictly trying to say, look, conferences, you can decide what you want to do. And the conferences can then say, we are truly going to get the two best teams from our conference to battle it out. Instead of saying, well, it's got to have one from the East, got to have one from the West, no matter if one of those teams may be the third or fourth best team in the conference. They're in the other division, so by default, you get to go. That's what they're trying to get rid of, right? So I think this can be a good thing. I think it's going to be an exciting thing, and it's going to be weird to see what the conferences, but also interesting to see what the conferences decide to do. Will they all sort of do the same thing, or are they all going to do different things? And not just the Power Five. How do the smaller conferences do it as well? How do conferences like the AAC do it? How does the Mountain West decide to do it? Those types of conferences, right? What do they decide to do? But obviously our concern is Power Five SEC because that's what relates to us. How does this affect Auburn? How does this impact Auburn? Well, I just kind of talked about it a little bit. Obviously, if the SEC decides to abandon the East and the West and do, my guess would be some type of a pod system. That, I mean, that's, that's what we have seen and that's what we've heard talked about is four pods of four, four groups of four, however you want to say that. But if you're Auburn, you're probably going to get paired with Alabama and there's a chance that you could play them twice a year now if you're the two best teams in the SEC. That's a possibility. Okay, and another possibility, Auburn's going to start playing some different teams if something like this goes down. Not saying it will, and it may be a few years from now, 
but it's in the hands of the conferences now. They can now decide what they want to do when it comes to who plays in their conference championship games. And I think that's cool. The NCAA has given up on that, and it's not like they can do anything about it. The SEC can now do whatever they want to do. They can. I saw an article today. The SEC, it was, I forget what the article was, but they were talking about how the SEC could host their own college football playoff. Like, what? They could host their own playoff. Just the SEC. They could put it on. Because, why not? Because the SEC is definitely and obviously the most dominant conference in all of college athletics. There, I mean, there is no doubt about that. And you, nobody can argue that. And if you try to, you're wrong. The SEC is the most dominant conference in all of college athletics. Same thing, with obviously, with football. They could put on their own college football playoff, is what somebody wrote about today. And it could happen. I mean, I'm not saying they were wrong at all. That is a legitimate thing now. Because the SEC continues to gain more power, and they have done things the right way, for the most part, in my opinion. And why not give the guys and the leaders that do the things the right way like the SEC, like Greg Sankey, give them the control, give them power to make some decisions. This all goes back to the conversation of these conferences are going to abandon the NCAA. They're going to tell them to kick rocks and get out because they're done. They don't want to deal with it anymore because the NCAA has dropped the ball so many times that there's nothing that they can do anymore. On the other side of this break, Would the SEC be better or worse without divisions? What do you think? Should the SEC keep the East and the West? Should they do a four-pod system? Should they do something different? What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I'll give you my answer on the other side of this break. We'll wrap up hour number one. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Jacob Goins wrapping up the first hour of the Monday edition of On the Line. Should the SEC do away with the East and the West divisions? That's the conversation we are wrapping up here in hour number one. What are the benefits and the downfalls of doing that? Well, would it be more fair? I think so. I think you would see different matchups in the SEC championship game. Not saying that Alabama and Georgia and LSU uh, that have been there in the past couple of years haven't deserved to be there. Um, I think the, the best two teams in the conference should be there, no matter what side that they're on. Now, of course, in the last couple of years, that wouldn't have really mattered, especially with Alabama and Georgia, because they were obviously the two best teams in the SEC. So they would have gone anyway. But what if there's times where the two, the top two teams in the West are better than the entire SEC East or vice versa? What if, what if Georgia and Florida are the two best teams in the East, but yet only Georgia gets to go because one team has to go from the West? That would eliminate that, I think, right? I think it would eliminate that. And it doesn't really hurt anything because if it turns out that Auburn and Georgia are the best teams in in the SEC, then it wouldn't have mattered anyway because you technically would still have one from both sides. So doing away with the divisions would A, 
get you better matchups in the SEC championship game, more fair matchups in the SEC championship game, which would ultimately lead to you having more and better representation in the college football playoff. I think it would impact that drastically, I think. Also, I think it would give us better and more consistent matchups throughout the entire conference because, A, you already have 14 teams there. You're adding two more to become 16. And if you do away with East and West divisions, then you know you still want to have those three or four teams that you play every single year. For Auburn, you're going to play Bama, LSU, and Georgia every single year, right? You're going to play those three teams every year, no matter what, until college football is over, right? Until eternity, right? You will play those schools forever. But this would give Auburn the opportunity to play Florida more. This would give Auburn the opportunity to play Texas and Oklahoma on a more consistent basis rather than if they get split up or put on one side rather than the other. However, they plan to do that. It would just give teams better chances to play other teams more often. And I think that's good for the SEC, and I think it's good for college football. And not just in the SEC, other conferences could do that same thing because they have the same rules. You play everybody on your side plus a couple of teams from the other side. So instead of having to do that, you could play all of the teams in your conference on a more consistent basis. No, you may not play Arkansas every single year, but you're also going to get the chance to play Tennessee some more, right? Or Kentucky some more, or hey, Vanderbilt some more, right? You get to play more teams on a more consistent basis. So would the SEC be better or worse without divisions? I think they would be better without divisions. And now that the SEC has a chance to do that, I think they should. What's the correct way to undo that and to implement a new system? I'm not too sure yet. But they're going to be talking about it. At the upcoming SEC spring meetings and at media days, it's going to be a big conversation. SEC, get rid of divisions in college football. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. If you're still here from hour number one, thank you so much. If you're just now tuning in, I appreciate you as well. Thank you for tuning in here to the Monday edition of on the line if you missed any of our number one just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded there immediately following today's show again just search on the line wherever you get your podcast 
If you want to call in, be a part of the show today, you can do so. Give me a call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You can call in about anything going on in the sports world, anything on your mind that you want to talk about related to sports. Give me a call. We can talk about it right here on the show, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Zero two. Let's start hour number two like we always do with making headlines. Auburn baseball had their final SEC series over the weekend and it did not go as planned. Auburn did not do what they wanted to do or even really what they were supposed to do over the weekend. And Auburn baseball drops their final series, their final SEC series of the season at Kentucky over the weekend. Uh, they are 37 and 18 overall, finished up 16 and 13 in the conference. And over the weekend, Auburn against Kentucky, uh, they lost game one, five to one. It was a doubleheader, if you remember. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. The Thursday game got rained out and postponed to Friday. And so Auburn in the doubleheader on Friday lost game one, five to one. They won the second game, though, six to three. So all they had to do was win the Saturday finale to win the series, get the top four spot in the the first round bye in the SEC tournament in Hoover, and they were not able to do so. They dropped the third and final game 6-3 to Kentucky on the road in Lexington on Saturday. So Auburn now in the SEC tournament, the SEC baseball tournament this week in Hoover gets underway tomorrow. Auburn just missed out on being a top four seed, which means you get the first round bye, which is single elimination in the first round. The second round and on is double elimination, but Auburn just missed out on that. They are now the five seed in the SEC tournament, and they lose the series to Kentucky. Well, guess what? They turn around and play the Wildcats again tomorrow in the first round of the SEC tournament. So you just lost the series against this Wildcat team. You got to turn around and play them yet again in four games now, the fourth game in a row against this Kentucky team. They will play in the final game tomorrow night up in Hoover at the Hoover Met in the SEC tournament. The first pitch time is around 8 o'clock, but it's not an an official set time because they do play the second game of that evening slate. There's two games early on and then two games in the evening. So Auburn plays in the fourth and final game of the day. So really not 100% on what time they're going to play, but it'll be tomorrow night for sure for Auburn against Kentucky in Hoover. Uh, Winner winner go home, basically, is what you have to do uh, at this point in the first round of the SEC tournament. So Auburn, again, they, they struggled in the SE or in the uh, Kentucky series and now they're going to have to they're going to have to do some work okay they're going to have to do some work in the SEC tournament and really it's been the bats that have let them down and not just the bats their biggest bat on the team has struggled as of late our good buddy Noah Gardner uh, who who used to host this show he texted me a stat last night so this is a credit to him he sent me this stat we were talking about some Auburn baseball, and he let me know about this stat about Sonny DeShera uh, over the month of May has not been himself. He's been one of the best hitters in all of college baseball except the month of May. He's really struggled, you know, just not seeing the ball as real well, as good as he should, and 
Again, he's just been in a slump, if you will. In May, he has 5 for 35, which is good for a 143 batting average in the month of May. So he's still, Auburn's still 6 and 5 across those games and 4 and 6 in SEC play, with Sonny Deshera batting 143. So if Auburn can get him to get back to batting and hitting the ball real well, Auburn's going to be just fine. They just got to get their best hitter back above. Uh, above a 143 hit uh, batting average. So if they can get Sonny Deshera and some of the other bats back up to where they need to be, I think Auburn can make a big run in postseason play. They play against Kentucky tomorrow night in Hoover in the first round of the SEC tournament. If they win that, they will go on to play LSU in the double elimination rounds after that on the next day, which would be Wednesday. So Auburn baseball plays Kentucky after dropping the series against Kentucky this weekend. They play the Wildcats tomorrow night in the first round of the SEC baseball tournament. Moving on with making headlines, Auburn softball uh, had a, a shaky end to the season, especially during regular season play. They dropped their last Uh, SEC series against Tennessee they went into the SEC tournament they got rocked in the first round one nothing by Missouri and then they went on to the Clemson regional over the weekend and they won their first game they beat Louisiana if you remember we had Jacob Hillman on we have him today as well but we had him on last week uh, talking about Auburn softball and what they needed to do in the regional and they started out playing Louisiana he said that was the biggest game of the entire regional if they could win that game they would be in really good shape well that's exactly what they did they won game one four to three against louisiana on friday night they had to play clemson on saturday in the first game of the day and they lost one to zero so they lost against missouri in the sec tournament one zero and then they turn around after beating louisiana they dropped clemson one to zero the bats really failed this team down the stretch but they weren't out of it yet they had the loser's bracket game after that against Louisiana, the team that they had already beaten the day before. They won 4-3 to three on Friday. They, lo- they lose 4-3 to three on Saturday. And Auburn softball season comes to an end at the Clemson Regional. They get one win, but they drop two losses, and they are officially done for the year. Look, I'm sure... We're going to have, I know we have Jacob Hillman coming on at 3.30. I'm sure he's going to echo what I'm about to say, but the Bats really let this team down uh, coming down the stretch. You look down at their last SEC series against Tennessee and then their last few games after that, they scored in, let's see, uh, two runs and a loss, four runs and a loss, one run and a loss, zero and a loss, four and a win, but then zero and a loss and three and a loss. So there's some, there's some, some runs on there there's some games on there where they didn't score more than one run a couple of games they got shut out and that's not what you're looking to do if you're if you're trying to win some games especially in softball but especially with this Auburn softball team who who have relied on the bats all year long and when your pitchers are only giving up four one three one three seven wasn't great but five still Those are numbers that you should be winning with if your pitching staff is doing that for Auburn softball. But the Bats really let this team down uh, down the stretch. Their season is officially over. But another big stat out of the weekend from softball regionals, Alabama, one of the best teams in all of college softball. They have been for many, many years. 
Um, they miss out on moving on. They lose in their own regional. They hosted the regional in Tuscaloosa, and they got beat by Stanford in a uh, in what would you call a blowout kind of. It was six to nothing or six to one, maybe. I forget the final score, but Alabama also misses out on winning their regional first time in a long time for Alabama softball. So Auburn and Alabama softball both knocked out of the regional over the weekend. Moving on with making headlines for all of you golf fans out there, the PGA Championship was unbelievable yesterday and over the weekend. Uh, I didn't get to catch all of it, but yesterday I watched a good bit of it, especially this back nine of the PGA Championship yesterday and it was just unbelievable to watch. Justin Thomas is your 2022 PGA champion, and it was not easy. He came into the day, into the Sunday final round. He was down seven strokes coming into Sunday. At one point, he was down by eight strokes in that final round. He comes all the way back, gets into a playoff, and wins in the playoff, the three-hole aggregate playoff, and he is your 2022 PGA champion. He played extremely well, but there were some guys that did not play as good as they could have and could not close it out. And Mito Pereira, he had a major blow-up on number 18, the 72nd hole of his round. He was up by two, and he blew it. He had a double bogey on the 18th. All he had to do was not screw up basically and you hate to see it we've seen it happen before not specifically with him but big time golfers big time moments and big time holes and he had a double bogey on 18 and he missed the cut he missed the playoff because he was up and then double bogeyed he had to bogey to still make he had to par to win okay par to win the whole tournament bogey to still be alive for a playoff a double bogey knocked him out of it. He knocked himself out. He hit it in the water off of 18. Could not recover. He double bogeyed. Will Zalatoris and Justin Thomas make the three-hole playoff, which I like that system, by the way. If you're a golf fan, you know what I'm talking about. The three-hole system is a lot better rather than just playing it hole by hole. I love the three-hole system. It didn't matter. Justin Thomas was lights out. He played all three holes fantastic. Had a shot on 17 in the playoff that was just unbelievable. And Justin Thomas is your 2022 PGA champion. I was cheering for him. I was hoping he was going to win. Coming into Sunday, I didn't think he had a chance, but golf is a crazy game. And he played really well. And a couple of people slipped up, and he did what he had to do. Justin Thomas, your 2022 PGA champion. Moving on with making headlines, the NCAA has a new rule. This is a couple of days old, but uh, I liked, I've been wanting to talk about this. Conferences in college football can now decide what they want to do and who they want to have play in the conference championship games in college football. This is significant because this will probably lead to the doing away with divisions inside major conferences of college football. You could see the SEC get rid of the SEC East and the SEC West. The Pac-12 has already said they're going to do it. They're going to get rid of their divisions and go to something else. And I think we could see other divisions and other conferences do the same thing. Now, how long is it going to take for something like this to happen? We're going to have to wait and see. The, like I said, the Pac-12 has already said, we're doing it. We, we are 
getting rid of divisions. But what do you do if you get rid of divisions, if you're different conferences around college football? And let's just look at the Power Five, okay? Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, and the SEC, okay? Let's just look at these conferences for a second. If they do decide to get rid of the divisions in their conferences, how do they decide who plays in the conference championship game? Well, you just pick the best two. Whoever has the best record, tiebreakers and all of that, the best two should go and play in the SEC championship game, the Big Ten championship game, whatever conference it may be. That makes sense, right? That's who you want. You want the two best teams to play for the conference championship. Why should we limit it to, well, you have to be on this side of our conference and you have to be on this side of the conference and we can only have one of each. Doesn't matter if there's another team that should be there, if they're better. Doesn't matter. We have to have one from both sides. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would you not want the two best teams to play, right? This is also going to benefit conferences when they represent themselves in a college football playoff, right? That's going to help them out there as well because if your two best teams are playing in your SEC championship game, your Big Ten championship game, Pac-12, whatever, then they both have a great chance to go on to make a playoff, whether it's the four-team playoff, especially if it's an eight or 12, 16-team playoff, you're going to have better chances to represent your conference in a potential playoff. I think that divisions should be no more. I think this is a great idea. Now, what do you do to replace it? Because I don't think, let's look at the SEC, for example, I don't think just having 16 teams play wide open with no structure is really a good idea because how do you determine who plays who when they play where they play all of that you've got to control that a little bit but I think a a sort of four-pod system would be the way to go a four-group system you're going to have 16 teams of course Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC uh, very very soon I think four groups of four right four times four 16 four groups of four will really work out the best Take Auburn, for example. If you are in a four, you're in a pot of four, okay? You play the other three teams, and then you play some more from the different pods, and you can rotate them out year in and year out. And that way, you get to play different teams, and you get to play them more often rather than playing an SEC East team once every seven years, besides Georgia. Now you get to play those other teams every two to three years rather than six to seven. And I think that's good for college football. I think it's good for the conferences. It's good for the teams. It's good for you, the fan, because it makes it more interesting. And it breaks the schedule up a little bit. You're not playing the same teams every single year, right? So I think this is a good idea. We've seen the Pac-12 already come out and say, this is what we want to do. There's reports that the Big Ten has already cut their future their uh, conference schedules they've cut them out and plan on redoing them why they're probably going to do away with divisions and that means they're going to have to do some rescheduling because they're not limited to having to play a certain set of teams from your own conference that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you really think about it if you're in a conference with 14 teams right why should you only get to play half of those teams shouldn't you get to play all of them Shouldn't you have the chance to play all of them, right? I feel like that just makes sense to me. But what do you think? 
Should the SEC and other Power Five conferences do away with divisions? And if they do, what do they replace it with? Let me know. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. Continuing on the conversation of the possible abandonment of divisions in college football, what do you think? Should the SEC and other Power 5 conferences get rid of divisions and why? Why or why not? I'd love to hear from you and what you have to say 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 i've talked about it a little bit uh you know what it would do benefiting and not benefiting you know what the the positives and negatives are if you will of what it would do for college football and the sec but ultimately would the sec be better without divisions I think it would be more fair. I think it would be better. I really do. I think it would be better. And I've talked about it a little bit, but it would be more fair because, A, the two best teams, because, here, and and let me talk about this for a second, is when you get rid of the divisions, the conferences can then decide how they want to to basically decide who plays in the conference championship game. They can pick how they want to do that. And I think having a little bit of a difference between the, some of the bigger conferences may be a cool idea. You know, it may be something cool to look into and something to consider, right? But when you look at it, I think it would be more fair because ultimately you're going to get the two best teams to play in your conference championship game. That's what is important here. And that is important because over the years we've seen where the two best teams didn't get in or didn't get into their own conference championship game, right? We've seen that happen. We've seen that happen across the SEC and the Big Ten and other conferences because you had to have one from each side. And the two best teams may have been on the same side. And, of course, they didn't get in their own conference championship game, which now, now, if you don't make your conference championship game, that impacts your ability to make the college football playoff, which is a big deal which is a big deal. You don't necessarily 100% have to make your conference championship game or even win it, but it definitely helps your odds if you get there, right? It definitely helps your odds if you get there most of the time. We've seen where that isn't the case too. But more times than not, it helps you out if you make your conference championship game and or win it. And not getting a chance to do that impacts your playoff chances. So now, if there's no divisions and there's pods or whatever they end up deciding to do, that's the only thing that I can think of, by the way. That's why I keep saying that one, because I can't think of another situation uh, where you would do something different besides just a free-for-all. But again, you're going to have it to where the two best teams play in your championship game and, and decide who becomes the conference champion and who ultimately goes to the college football playoff. Because as it stands right now, it's still a four-team playoff. Now, that is that's done in a few years 
What are they going to do after that? Is it going to be an extended playoff? Will the SEC hold their own college football playoff? That's been a discussion too. There's so much to talk about and so much to, that is left unsaid and left undecided that we get to find out over the next couple of years. But I think if the SEC decides to do away with divisions, that's going to help teams like Auburn. I think it does. I think it helps Auburn because Auburn now will have more chances to make the SEC championship game and give them better chances to make the college football playoff, whether it's four or eight teams. I've already talked about in previous shows that if the playoff gets extended, that's going to help Auburn no matter what. That's definitely going to help Auburn. It's going to help the SEC and, and make them even more dominant than they already are. But if they get rid of divisions, then you've got a really good chance that the SEC starts putting in two teams to the playoff. Because now, if your two best teams in the SEC get into the championship game and have a great game, then how will the committee leave them out? Right? How will the committee leave them out? No matter where they're from within the SEC, if they're the two best ones, chances are they are going to be two of the best teams, not just in the SEC, but in college football. Not every year. Not every year, right? But in the last few years, it's been that way. Georgia, Alabama, right? They're the two best teams in the SEC, but they're also two of the best teams in college football. So the SEC can only help themselves, which is what they're trying to do. That's what we want to see. We want to see the SEC become even more dominant and better than they already are because that's where Auburn plays. And we want to see Auburn at the top of that list in the SEC as well. So, again, I think it would benefit the SEC. I think it would benefit Auburn. And ultimately... I think most conferences are going to do away with divisions. I think it's going to happen. I think that will happen. I also think the conferences are going to tell the NCAA, we don't want you or need you anymore, and they're going to leave the NCAA because why would you stay with them? It's like that bad girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about. You're dating somebody, and then you're like, wait a minute. You're not helping me at all. And then you leave them, and you realize, oh, wait, I didn't need them to begin with, right? I haven't had that, but I'm sure people have. It's the same situation right? It's the same situation. You're in a relationship and you realize this isn't benefiting me. It's actually hurting me. Why am I still in this? Conferences and teams are going to eventually do that to the NCAA. I think major conferences will get rid of divisions and ultimately Auburn will benefit from this if the SEC gets rid of divisions. Auburn will be better off with no divisions. You get to play different teams. Okay. You get to play different teams. You have a better chance of making your conference championship game, and ultimately, your odds of making a college football playoff will increase. Stay tuned. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll be joining us right after this break. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Monday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left here in hour number two. Welcoming in Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, let's talk about it a little bit. It's a little bit of a sore spot, I know, but Auburn softball season has come to an end in Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, walk us through what happened in the regional out there, my man. 
Yeah, it's two really good teams out in Clemson, with Clemson being the host. Only its third year as a softball program, but that was an intense environment that those fans really brought, and uh, I was really impressed by that crowd out there in Clemson. And then obviously a team that Auburn played twice in Louisiana, 45-win team, probably one of the best offensive teams in the nation, leading the country in doubles and hits. And, you know, Auburn did a good job at holding Louisiana uh, to a low offensive output, but it wasn't enough in uh, in that elimination game on Saturday after losing to Clemson. So uh, I, I look at the Clemson game as, as a simple mistake uh, there in the fifth inning when uh, that blue shot to left center field. Peralta got a glove on it but couldn't bring it in. And the offense obviously uh, didn't do anything early on and in the sixth and seventh inning wasn't able to put a run across. And then in that elimination game against Louisiana – it was just tough for Auburn. Again, there was an unearned run late in the game that you don't have that, and Auburn has, has a chance in extra innings to win that. And, Jacob, we had you on last week when we were previewing this regional for Auburn softball, and you said that the first game against Louisiana was the most important of the entire regional, and Auburn was able to get that win. They beat Louisiana 4-3, to and then after that, they dropped two to, to end their season. How was it that they were able to pick up that Friday victory against Louisiana? Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as the SEC freshman of the year, Bree Ellis, hitting those two home runs. You outdid Louisiana's offense, and that's something that Auburn was unable to do in the elimination game. So, uh, that, like I said, that game one was so important because it gave Auburn that chance to go into Sunday with, as a, with a 2-0 record, but unable to beat Clemson. So, Obviously, that didn't happen, but yeah, that game one was just so good to see uh, young players like Ellis play well, Peralta play well, and obviously, Maddie Penta has just been so good for Auburn throughout this season, leading the SEC in wins and in appearances, and she's just she's just been a horse, and it's been really awesome to see her grow uh, into that starting pitching role, and, and I, I expect to see that continue to happen going into her junior year. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, and it seems like we've had this same conversation the last couple of weeks. The offense all season long was something that Auburn softball really, you know, hung their hat on and was the strength of this team. And down the stretch, it seemed to be going downhill. We saw that against Clemson where they got shut out one nothing. What happened there? Yeah, well, credit to Clemson's pitcher. It was a really good uh it was a pitching duel. It was Maddie Penta against Clemson's best pitcher and that that happens sometimes, especially in a regional when you get in a one nothing game. It's just a matter of those bloop hits that uh, get down, and that's the difference maker. Auburn, like you said, has been a really good offensive team this year, uh, and it, you just look at the numbers, top five in so many offensive categories in program history, home runs, doubles, batting average, so on, so on. And that's something that, like you said, you can hang your hat on, and you obviously don't want to just move past this. you got to look at this and learn from it, but this team is young. A lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, uh, only two seniors. So going looking forward, it, it, it is a positive outlook for this Auburn softball team, uh, especially with uh, a player like Denver Bryant coming back. She'll be fitting right back in at second base for her junior year, and uh, I expect to see the offense continue to improve. As Like you said, down the stretch, some of these players, uh, they, they didn't stay consistent. They didn't stay hot like they were at the beginning of the season. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see next year if they can kind of keep a consistent pace throughout the season. 
and Jacob, of course, in the final game on Saturday. They played the early game against Clemson. They lost that, and then they had to turn around and play Louisiana. Season on the line, and they fall 4-3. to three. What was the end of the season like for this Auburn softball team against Louisiana? Yeah, I think I think it, I think it's it's better because you thought you had a chance to advance to a super regional after that game one win against Louisiana, beating one of the best offensive teams in the country, and then throughout that Clemson game, you're just so close to taking that lead. I, I think if Auburn ends up taking that lead over Clemson before Clemson puts a run on the board, I think Auburn wins that game. I think it was as simple as whoever scored first was going to win that game, uh, but unfortunately, they were unable to do that. So, it is It is what it is. Like I said, it's a young team, and it's something that they're just going to have to learn from. And I think that throughout the season, you see, you saw the defensive struggles, you saw some players get cold, and then obviously you had to deal with injuries. And I think that learning from that, where going forward, you'll be able to overcome adversity a little bit better than you did this past season. Because I remember, there was a chance this, this Auburn team was able to host the regional, but obviously the end of the season didn't go the way uh, Auburn wanted it to go, and uh, like I said, just learn from it and move forward as these players grow into older players. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, some other results around softball regional action. I'm sure you saw Alabama's streak of winning the regional get broken. It was an incredible streak, but they also don't make it out of the regional. What was your reaction to seeing Alabama softball lose over the weekend? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it the SEC as a whole, only three teams advancing to a Super Regional is kind of shocking to me. And the fact that Mississippi State gets to host an Arizona State team, an Arizona State team that has won so many national championships, I think that that, that is wild. But it also speaks to uh, the Pac-12's dominance with Stanford going into Alabama and really taking them down. Uh, and it, it was a dominating Game 7 win for, for the Cardinal. And, you know, I think that the SEC is one of those conferences that is always going to be the best in the softball and baseball leagues, but you never know what can happen in the NCAA tournament. We always talk about March Madness, but mayhem in May, that, that's what we're getting in the tournament in softball. Mayhem in May. I like that, my friend. I like that. Let's move on to the baseball world around the SEC and, of, of course, for Auburn. Over the weekend, their Thursday, Friday, Saturday series against Kentucky, the Saturday, uh, excuse me, the Thursday game got postponed to Friday due to weather. It was a doubleheader, and ultimately Auburn loses the series at Kentucky. Um, how big was that for Auburn to drop their final SEC series of the year at Kentucky? Yeah, obviously the biggest implication is that it takes you out of the super regional a spot that I think a lot of publications and a lot of people thought Auburn had a chance to be in. You still have a chance if you have a really good showing in Hoover to get back in that conversation, but right now uh, you're just looking at a top 16 national seed for Auburn, so losing that series was big, and you know, every SEC series this past weekend had implications on the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, whatever it was, and Auburn and Kentucky, I feel like, was the biggest one. It was going down to the wire all the way until Saturday afternoon, obviously with the weather delay. Kentucky was playing to get into the SEC tournament. Auburn was playing to get a top four seed into the SEC tournament. So I really think that just Kentucky playing its heart out, trying not to let it season in on that Saturday, played a big role in it. And obviously the weather delay, that was just – I think that I think that, that broke Auburn's back on Saturday with – Joseph Gonzalez pitching a gym like he usually does, not able to pitch the rest of the game. And 
uh, the bullpen not being what it usually has been. So it, it was a critical series for Auburn, but it's not the end of the world. You just got to make sure you win that Tuesday game and, and then you're moving, moving on from there uh, playing a hot LSU team. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, uh, I was sent a stat by our good buddy Noah Gardner about Sonny Deshera in the month of May, and it kind of surprised me. Listen to this and tell me what you think about this. In the month of May, Sonny Deshera is hitting 5 for 35, which is good for a 143 batting average. Auburn is 6-5 and five across those games and 4-6 and six in SEC play. What's your reaction to that stat of Sonny in the month of May? And what does it also say about this Auburn team with how you know, really how good they've done despite their best hitter not being at his best? Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest thing is what you mentioned on the latter part of that statement is that the rest of the lineup has come through at times, you know, in that Arkansas game when Mason Land comes in and uh, gets the clutch bunt down to bring in Garrett Farquhar for the winning run, and then obviously the sweep against Alabama, the, the two-game sweep uh, because of Sunday not being able to get it done. Uh, you also had, this is in April, obviously, but Bobby Pierce against Tennessee. It, it, it shows that the lineup is great up and down the order. But as it comes down to Sonny, I think that's what cost him the, the SEC player of the year just by himself. He's obviously the co-SEC player of the year. It's a huge honor. Uh, but I look at this past weekend where he didn't really have a hit until that Saturday game. He hit the solo home run late in the game that ended up not really mattering. But you hope it's something that can spark uh, his bat again, where he can try and climb that average back up because it was so impressive when he was hitting uh, 420 and above uh, this, this, this season. And he had a chance to join an exclusive club with Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas of hitting 415 home runs and not able to do that right now unless he just goes on an absolute tear in the postseason uh, as he's down below that 400 line because of the May struggles. So I think that Sonny will get it back together, maybe not back up to that uh, 400 standard, but he hit that home run. I feel like that could have sparked something for his bat uh, going into Hoover and the postseason. And Hillman, what does it? I mean, what does it take for for Desher to be able to get back to that point? And then also, you know, how much or how important, rather, is it for him to be at his best for Auburn to make a run in the postseason? Yeah, I'll answer the last question first. I think it's so important. If if Auburn's to make a run in the postseason, they need uh, the best hitter on the team to be hitting it well. Maybe, like I said, it doesn't need to be up to four hundred or anything like that, but. That, that stats you mentioned for May, that's not going to get it done in the postseason. So I think that he needs to really figure things out. And teams have figured them out defensively with the shifts. I mean, it's some of the most insane shifts I've ever seen in baseball against Sonny Deshera with the outfield shifting out to the right and the infield shifting to the left and playing back because of how hard he hits the ball. But I just think if he keeps staying down on it and getting hits, he's going to be fine. He also, he, he's still getting ball. That, that, that is a very good thing to see is that He's not taking a lot of cuts that are bad. He still uh, has a good eye and is getting on base. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does this week in Hoover against some of the best pitching in the country. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Coming out of the Kentucky series over the weekend, Auburn baseball gets to turn around and play the exact same Wildcats team tomorrow in the first game of the SEC tournament. As you mentioned, Auburn missed out on the top four seed. They are the fifth seed, which means they missed that first round bye. It's a win or go home against the Wildcats. 
Does it benefit or hurt Auburn that they just played this team three times and vice versa for Kentucky against Auburn tomorrow? Yeah, I think it benefits Auburn having played the team three times and losing two out of those three because you, you can figure things out and learn something. And you might see a completely different pitcher on Tuesday, obviously, in the SEC tournament because you've got to play the long game uh, in Hoover with, with the pitching staff. So it's going to be interesting to see how Auburn game plans that and, and really works the pitching staff in. I'm also more interested to see how the bullpen is after that Saturday game where after the rain delay, the bullpen wasn't what it has been in recent weeks or throughout the season. So I also think that the weather is going to play a major factor this week in Hoover. If you looked at the weather forecast, it's not good. They're, they're probably not going to be able to get four games in a day, and Auburn being the last game might not play until Wednesday. So it's going to be interesting to see how that schedule shakes out and how Auburn is able to really make – uh, and, and handle it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that because, I mean, obviously Auburn the last two weeks has dealt with weather issues. Here it comes again in Hoover. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the weather and it's literally calling for rain every single day this week. So not sure what the SEC is going to do. They have got a, a lot of decisions to make this week in Hoover. But Jacob Hillman, what is it going to take for Auburn not just to beat Kentucky tomorrow, but to be successful this week in Hoover to try and pick up some much-needed wins before the postseason? Yeah, I look at, first of all, with the bats, I'll just I'll start off with those best hitters uh, hitting well that I need to share. Blake Rambush, wasn't, he, he didn't have his best weekend last week. He went 0-5 in the, in the win, in the Game 2 win, and he was 0-3 in Game 1. And that's not something that Blake Rambush does. He usually gets on base. He's really good at that. He had that crazy streak of on base. Uh, on base hits and started to share the same way, just getting on base and, and giving the other guys in the lineup a chance to drive them in. As far as the pitching staff goes, it's going to be really interesting. I think that the starters, I, I have faith in that. Mason Barnett, uh, Trace Bright, and Joseph Gonzalez. and We'll see who the Tuesday starter is. or They're going to have to shift some things around. It'll be interesting to see who's that fourth starter. Uh, but it's the bullpen. Carson Skipper, Blake Burkhalter, Chase also, John Armstrong, Jordan Armstrong. Tommy Sheehan, uh, Connor Copeland, if he gets a chance. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys perform, uh, especially, like I said, after that Saturday performance. It wasn't great. I want to see a big bounce back uh, in, in, in Hoover. And, Hillman, before we let you get out of here, what is your prediction? How far does Auburn make it in this SEC tournament? You know, realistically speaking, how far does Auburn make it this week? Yeah, I really like to see Auburn make it to Friday because I think that they get the win against Kentucky on uh, on Tuesday, and then you play a, an LSU team that's been hot and cold the last two weeks. You know, a sweep at Vanderbilt, a dominating sweep, but then you also got swept against Ole Miss at home. So it'll be interesting to see what LSU team shows up. So you beat LSU, well, then you got to play Tennessee, and then after that, who knows what's going to happen. But if you lose to LSU, then you're in the loser's bracket, and I think that you – You'll get a matchup that you like, and you can get past that and head to Friday with some confidence. Well, Jacob Hillman, we appreciate you and your time as always. Are you making the trip to Hoover this week? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually heading up to Kentucky for for a, for a trip. So okay. Uh, okay, maybe this maybe this week. If Auburn makes it to Saturday or Sunday, I will be there. <laughs> well, sounds good, man. Let everybody know where they can uh, keep up with you and everything you're doing. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU and. I'll still be tweeting about the baseball tournament, so no worries there. Well, good deal, man. Have a great trip, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I appreciate it, Jacob.
That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network talking a little Auburn softball and baseball with us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap it up. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up the Monday edition of the show. Monday, May 23rd, 2022. Reminder, 103 days away from the college football season. That's right, 103 days away from September 3rd of this year. That's the day that Auburn kicks off its college football season. So 103 days, counting them down here on On the Line couple of minutes before we get out of here make sure you stay tuned it'll be the drive with dan peck and bill cameron right here on espn 106.7 in fox sports central alabama on 98.3 up through birmingham and silicaga make sure you stay tuned for that uh but just a couple of more minutes here before i get out of here and look for final take today we've talked a lot about uh the conferences in college football being able to decide what they want to do with their conference championship games with their division uh, realignments or getting rid of divisions altogether we've talked a lot about that so if you missed any of today's show make sure you go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast my final take for today is this the sec and all of the other, at least the Power Five conferences, if not at least, and even the group of five conferences, if you will, but at least the Power Five conferences should do away with the current divisions that they have, including the SEC. Get rid of the divisions. Make some form of a four-team pod system. Four groups of four, however many teams you have, do some sort of a pod system. And the only reason you do that is for the scheduling. Because it's going to benefit you in the long run. It's going to benefit you for scheduling. It's going to benefit you, which will lead to TV, better TV and better TV deals, because you're going to be able to offer different games, better games, and more games. So I think you should do that. It's also going to lead to better teams in your conference championship game. Because look, The two best teams need to play in your conference championship game, so make sure that that happens year in and year out. Because right now, that doesn't happen every year. But make sure that happens. That will lead to better exposure and representation in the college football playoff. The SEC is only going to get better because the playoff will eventually be expanded because there's just more money to be made there. So if you get rid of your divisions... You're also going to get more teams in the college football playoff, especially for the SEC. And you know who also will benefit from that? Your Auburn Tigers. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.